Welcome back to another episode of Sharing Knowledge. I'm your host, Kevin Vondro, Chief Lending Officer at Westfield Bank. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about automotive insurance and banking. So please join us for this episode. Before we begin our episode today, let's introduce our guests. Our first guest is Eric Kempthorne, President and Owner of Kempthorne Motors. Eric, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and about your company. No, thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm a third generation Kempthorne. It was, uh, the business was started as Kempthorne Motors by my grandfather, so we're, the family's all involved and we're still down in Canton, Ohio, and just recently opened the new Jaguar Land Rover in, uh, in Akron, Ohio. So we're thrilled to be here. I appreciate you inviting me. Well, thank you for joining us. And our next guest is Stephen Butler from Westfield Insurance. So tell us about your role and, and responsibility uh, with the company. Yeah, so I lead the product management function for the personal lines division at Westfield Insurance. Uh, we have a great team uh, who's responsible for really the strategic positioning of our products from a product and pricing standpoint, uh, as well as the financial performance of our products in the marketplace and uh, quality assurance and compliance and all those things that come with it. So I've been with Westfield for 16 years. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. So we have our experts in automotive insurance and then banking. So we're going to talk about how we tie that all together. Um, but first, let's talk about maybe some of the, the, the future of, of the automotive uh, market. And, and when I say that is from the consumer side. And we hear about um, like sub subscription um, buying or, 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 or owning of vehicles. Eric, maybe tell our audience a little bit more about that and, and, and the benefits or, or maybe um, not the benefits, but maybe some of the, the issues with, with people going that route. Um, well, I think first you have to you have to realize it's a really small niche niche market. Are you seeing it in Northeast Ohio? I would venture to say very little. Um, it's happening in the the big metros in Miami and L.A. Um, they're typically big ticket payments. It's it's really as simple as you pay sixteen hundred dollars a month and here's the keys to the car. Um, your insurance is taken care of. Um, taxes are taken care of, your maintenance is taken care of, you just drive it and we'll see you in a year and you can pick out another car. That's the gist of it. Now, is, has that come down to the, you know, the $500 payment and let me have a car <laughs> and I'll see you in a year? No. Um, and, and there's still a lot of irregularities with it, a lot of issues. There's legal issues in California. They've, they've uh, taken them to court. So it, it's, it's not mainstream. Um, but we're seeing it, I, I, we'll see. Time will tell if it, if it gets legs, as they say, and takes off. But at this point, um, it's, it's not really, especially in this part of the country. No, I, I don't know, Stephen, if, if you ran into any of that on the insurance side or, or had experience with that, that type of ownership on, in vehicles. Yeah, we don't, we don't see it too broadly yet on the insurance side. Um, it is sort of an emerging trend that we're watching. Um, you do see it more in the big cities um, and it hasn't really sort of hit the mainstream yet, but um, you know, with any any shifting trend like that, there's there's pros and pros and cons to it. But on the insurance side, you know, it does create some complexities and some challenges, you know, from a coverage perspective. So it's important that anybody engaging in that type of subscription ownership pro program sort of understands, you know, the insurance implications and, and what they're getting into. Now, I've heard of shared ownership where people have looked at, at doing that, where or maybe they don't want to own a car entirely themselves and, and share some of the expenses. Do you guys run into that at all? You know, that's usually a conversation between us and the banks, right? Yeah. I mean, assumption of a loan or assumption of a lease. It's pretty touchy and it's, there's not a lot of institutions that want to want to go down that path. But we see it a little bit, you know, somebody says, hey, can I, 
you know, I've had this car for a year and I've had somebody pass away. Can we put the lease in somebody else's name and assume it and share it? You know, it, it's not, again, much like the, um, it's just not mainstream yet. We're not seeing that. It, and, then, and then with like Uber and Lyft and all those applications where people can just log in and, and, and get a ride anywhere, has that had any impact on, on car sales for, for you guys or have you, you know, seen any trends into that? Um, I've said to people, I, I, if I owned a car dealership in downtown LA, I would be concerned. I, I would be. I think it absolutely is going to impact that segment, that market. Um, out here where we are in Northeast Ohio, it's, it's just, you know, you got to drive to work. I mean, you, yeah. you can't take an Uber and go 20 miles. Uh, you can, but I don't know that it's, 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 it becomes financially unrealistic, I think. Um, whereas in L.A., if you just need to go a couple blocks. My daughter was in L.A., and it took us, you know, a half hour to go five minutes. <laughs> I mean, it was, you know, yeah, give me, give me the Uber. You know, I don't, I don't want a car in this mess. And um, so, yeah, again, it's one of those things that's uh, um, probably coming, but, but we're not seeing it here much. Now, when we look at, there's all, all kinds of ways of, of selling or moving vehicles, and you think of people doing it more and more online. Um, I know Carvana is, a, is one of the hot items where people are, are like, go online, pick your car, and it's delivered, or if you want to get rid of it, um, just call them up, or, or I guess log in and, and put your information, and they come pick up your car and, and, and bypass the dealership. Um, you know, like, how, how do you compete against something like that? I think I speak for car dealers in general. We, we compete um, head to head with them. Um, you know, people often ask me, what percentage of people buy their car online? My answer is 100%. Everybody does. Nobody, you just, very rarely does somebody just drive by the lot and say, hey, I saw that car. I mean, they've already done their research. When they come in, there's a statistic that says that the, the average car buyer shops one and a half, one and a half car dealers. That means they already know where they're going. So they're going to stop at choice number one. If he doesn't have, if something doesn't maybe fit their fancy, they're going to go to another one. But in most cases, they're buying that car at that first deal or that second deal. They aren't, they aren't going to three or four dealers on a Saturday buying a car. You know, that's, that's what's changed. Carvana is really just, we'll deliver to your house, um, which I, I would challenge the audience there's, there isn't a dealer out there that wouldn't say to you, absolutely, we'll deliver the car to your house. Believe me, we'll, we'll deliver the car to your house. I don't see Carvana is uh, selection, yes. Yes, they have, a, they have a lot of cars to pick from. Absolutely. You go online, I think you're looking at you know, 10,000, 5,000. It's a big number. Um, but go into Auto Trader and check all the car dealers in Northeast Ohio, and you get the same sample size. So pick a dealer and call him up and say, hey, will you deliver the car? I live in Columbus, and I guarantee you he'll deliver you the car. So we're, we're, dealers are a, are a wily bunch, as we say. We, we will figure out a way. We don't like getting beat, so if Carvana's doing it, we can do it. And that's kind of our, our attitude. There isn't anything that they're doing that we can't do. You can buy a car completely online with, I'm sure, just about you know, 95% of the dealers. It's, it's, uh, we're we're going to stand up to them and uh, go toe-to-toe. And um, if they can do it, we as a body, we as a dealer body can do it. And then as, as, as vehicles continue to evolve, we hear more and more about electric cars and, and like the future of that. So maybe talk about the pros and cons of electric vehicles that you're, in your experience. Um, well, they're here. There's, um, there's no denying it. I mean, you're seeing it with Volkswagen. We, we happen to be a Volkswagen dealer and it's, they're, they're gonna lead the pack. Um, I know Tesla got a quick, quick jump, but uh, I think what you're gonna see is Volkswagen um, 
really coming on strong, and so they're here to stay. The, re the reception has been been fabulous. People are, you know, we're test sending those cars out on test drives all the time. We have uh, two of them down there right now, ID4s. Um, we have the Mercedes is coming in the fall. Um, we have the uh, in Volvo. Uh, we have the, the full charge 40. So they're here. Um, positives. Um, certainly, we all know from an environmental standpoint, uh, I think we're all on board with that. Um, you know, the, the, the term you hear a lot of is, is range anxiety. How many miles do I get out of this thing? Because if it's, um, if it's not enough, then you're going to be, you're going to have anxiety. <laughs> you know, how do I go to, how to go to my, how do I go to work, come home and then go out to dinner and say, I want to go to Cleveland, go to dinner. Do I have enough charge or do I have to come home from work and we have to hang out for a couple hours and then we can go to dinner? Um, so that's the range anxiety that, that uh, we're, gradually we're getting past that. Um, electric is, uh, it's here to stay. It's, it's not going to go away. So we're all embracing it and with a lot of... I can imagine, especially if you have a power outage and depending on weather that could happen and could impact uh, a lot of that. And, and as far as you know, like anxiety uh, around electric cars. Stephen, what about from an insurance standpoint? Uh, how, I mean, how do you guys view that from cost to, to insure electric vehicles? Yeah, so <clears throat> electric vehicles are, are certainly lower maintenance vehicles, it's, it seems, but um, along with that, uh, you know, there's pros and cons to, to everything. There's definitely higher repair costs involved with electric vehicles that we've seen. Uh, if you just think about a scenario um, on, a, on a standard vehicle today, if something happens to your battery, that's not that big of a deal and it's probably not even an insurance event. Uh, but on an electric vehicle, something could happen to that battery. It's, it's a very different battery. Uh, and that could result in a total loss to a vehicle. So very, very different um, situations. And so repair costs higher on electric vehicles, which ultimately can lead to higher insurance costs. There's some other things with electric vehicles in terms of uh, just a different risk profile than sort of a standard vehicle. If you think about the risk of vehicle fire, uh, which exists for all vehicles, but with electric vehicles, and again, back to that battery, um, it's a higher risk, uh, you know, for that vehicle. So there's some things, uh, you know, with electric vehicles that are more challenging from an insurance perspective. On the flip side, there's some benefits, although I don't, I don't know that it's specifically tied to the vehicle type, but electric vehicles tend to drive less miles, fewer miles, um, and, and mileage tends to be a, an important factor in insurance pricing. So you can sort of get some benefit on that side of it, uh, but as the repair costs are higher, that tends to drive pricing. And then the last thing I would say is it can also affect potentially the customer experience. So if you think about the claims experience, if you have a claim, um, if it's more complicated and more costly to repair, not every uh, shop or garage around has that skill set or expertise to make that repair. So it can just affect the service level um, or a that a customer is expecting uh, during the claims process. So there's some things just to be aware of uh, when it comes to insuring electric vehicles. Yeah, in, in, in talking about the cost to, to fix it, I said, Eric, um, having a dealership and, and, and selling some of these electric cars, is that, do you, are you required to have special equipment or anything yeah. special to, to be able to sell these, oh, these yeah. vehicles? Yeah, yeah. We actually are one of the few um, in the Volkswagen dealer network for Northeast Ohio, one of the, the few that are certified to do cell replacement. So we signed up for that, so we'll make the, the uh, investment and in the infrastructure that it takes to do that. It takes. Uh, a lot of training on the tech part, some special tools, special tables to um, pull that battery cell out of there. Um, it's 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 amazing to see them, to walk by them, and see them over there working on that with their hazmat and their. Uh, it's it, you know it, it's um, 
it's a fascinating, fascinating uh, place we're going with cars, if you will. The, you know, I got in it to, in the 80s, and anybody could fix it and crawl into there and tune up the carburetor, and off you go. And to see them in hazmat suits fixing your cars is uh, a bit odd. But yeah. And then, then we think about them being so eco-friendly, but they still have the battery that you have to dispose of. And right. I don't know if they've been around long enough. Is there a process of disposing of those batteries? In, At in this place point, right the now? manufacturers, um, but that's that's very much work in progress by the manufacturers, by the dealer body. Uh, OAD, I know, is, is working on it. So yeah, absolutely, and it's a concern for all of us. You know, it's um, uh, you don't what you don't to, to add to Steve's point. I mean, the repair. You do not want somebody from an independent garage touching these cars. I mean, they they'll kill you in a second. There's that much voltage. It's they're they're um, um, now it's all very concealed, and it's a lot of, a lot of safety uh, pieces on there. So you you know hopefully you won't do that. But but can you? Yeah, do 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 some, do the wrong thing, and they absolutely will kill you because there's they're um, they're high technology. So so we have the gasoline or combustion on one side. You have the electric on, on this side, and in the middle you have the hybrid. And uh, do you guys sell any we hybrid do. vehicles? And we're selling those. Okay, we're selling those in numbers as are most dealers. Those those are well received. They make and they make a lot of sense. So maybe talk more about the, the, the pros with those versus going all electric right. versus the hybrid. Well, it's it's you know you, you really stretch your gas mileage when you combine those two technologies. You're you're you know you can push yourself out to 60, 70 miles a gallon. Um, you you don't have the range anxiety that we spoke of. Um, it's um, I think people are just they just um, are more familiar with it in terms of what, what's what's underneath them and um, they've been well received. Good. Well, and, and from an insurance standpoint, Steve, where, where do you guys see that as far as insuring hybrid vehicles versus the electric or, or the, the standard gasoline engine? Yeah, we certainly see more of the hybrid than the electric vehicles, and uh, it's really a little bit of both worlds on that, but there's no real significant uh, differences that, that we see from, from a hybrid standpoint. Okay. And then as cars continue to evolve, um, you know, like there, there's so many more features in them. Um, with, with I think a lot of it's around more around safety um, and, and, and people are even talking about autonomous uh, maybe, maybe talk about is, is that a direction that vehicles will eventually get to uh, in the near future is that something that's far off in, 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 in the far future yeah that's it's um, it's a long ways off um, my opinion so somebody disagree with me but I think it's just um, uh, you know, I, I can see it for closed circuits, so to speak. If you're at a FedEx facility and are autonomous vehicles flying around there doing um, doing a lot of work, yeah, I can, you can absolutely see that. But on the on our roads that where, where you don't know if the if the lines are actually visible or not, if that, those cameras can tell where they are in relationship to to what's in front of them, is it a child? Is it a deer? Is it a barricade? What is it? Um, there's a lot of issues there. What do you do in a snowstorm? What do you do in a driving rainstorm? Um, does it distinguish where you are? It, it um, you know, I, I think where we are with, with so much of this, um, everybody's familiar with this new lane assist, um, wonderful safety features. And it, and it came out of that, out of that, you know, trying to find autonomous. That's how they, they kind of got there was these cameras and the technology. So there's been a lot of real positive things that have come out of the search for the autonomous car. But do I think that it's in my lifetime? I don't, I don't think so. Outside of uh, closed circuits where, where, they, where it makes sense. I don't think on our main roads, it, I think I just think we're too far away. And, it, you know, let's face it, you kill one person, 
and it and it's it's, it's going to set that industry back years. I mean, you, you, what do you do? You know, and, and my last comment is, you know, we fix cars all day long with engine lights. That's, that's what happens. That's what we are. We're a repair facility. So we all are familiar with my, hey, my engine light's on. In an autonomous car, if your engine light comes on, it's like an airplane. You're shutting it down. And it's going to sit on the side of the road and it's going to have to be put on a truck and then it's going to have to be, I mean, there is, there's not going to be, we'll, we'll limp the thing home. Um, if it's fully autonomous, some of those, they're talking about no steering wheels. Engine lights are every day part of our life. So what's going to happen with autonomous? I, I just that's my two cents that I don't think I think it's unrealistic in my lifetime. Now, right now, there it, it seems like they're, they're more safety features. Um, and, and Stephen, how's that how's that impact people's insurance? I mean, the, the more they have, does that, does that drive down the cost of insurance? Yeah. So autonomous vehicles is a very popular topic, but I I tend to agree with Eric in terms of how long it is until we actually see that play out. But what we're seeing today is really the pieces, parts of autonomous vehicles live in today's vehicles. So the components that, that he was mentioning around um, blind spot monitoring, collision monitoring, lane detection, those types of things are here today on the vehicles that we're buying today, those advanced safety features, and those definitely have, have an impact. Um, so they definitely uh, create a safer vehicle. So you see fewer accidents uh, in vehicles that have that technology. Uh, but on the flip side of that, you do see higher repair costs there as well. If you think about, just think about a, a standard, you know, vehicle windshield, which is, you know, historically one of the smaller dollar insurance claims you can have, a cracked windshield. But think about all the sensors that are in that windshield today and what it costs to repair that windshield today versus, you know, a vehicle from 10 years ago. It's, it's, it's drastically different. So while there's definitely fewer claims happening, uh, because those vehicles are safer and have fewer accidents, the cost to repair those vehicles is higher uh, now just because of all that technology. And it's, it's really more complex to repair a vehicle today than, than, than it was you know, 10, 10 years ago because of that. But, but we definitely see those trends playing out in insurance in terms of vehicles are safer, they're having fewer accidents uh, if they have those, those safety features. And that's starting to play itself out in insurance pricing. So, um, those types of safety features now can be reflected in, in, in pricing and discounts and things of that nature. Okay, great. Now, Eric, is, is there anything else we haven't touched on um, from the automotive industry that's maybe cutting edge or, or something that's coming out in the near future that's, that's exciting? Electric, they are absolutely the most wonderful, energizing cars to drive that you've ever sat behind. They will, we happen to be a Jaguar dealer at the new Jaguar Land Rover facility um, in Akron there off of Arlington. Drive a Jaguar I-Pace and it will set you back in your seat. It is a rocket ship. It is just exhilarating, fun. So, you know, what's, what's coming, that's the exciting part of what we see coming. You're going to see more of that. So let's say we get to five, 600 miles in those electric cars. Um, man, there's, there's nothing more fun than driving a driving electric. They really do have some zip. And so, so that's, that's been fun for everybody to experience. Definitely has to be unique or different when you push down on the gas and you're going and you don't hear anything. Right? Oh, it you is. got the power, but yeah, you don't yeah. have any of the noise. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 will, it will put you back in the back seat. They're, they're, they're that fun. Well, as we look at um, the automotive industry and, and really as we have like someone from the dealership side, someone from the insurance side, and someone from the bank side, I think it's important to, to talk about really the, the benefits of the relationships between all three areas um, when, when you're talking about consumers, uh, especially when, when you look at um, the importance of, of working, a dealership working with, with, with a bank and insurance company from a business standpoint. 
maybe Eric, you can touch on some of that, the, the importance of, of each one of those partners. Um, sure. Um, you know, Westfield, let me take them as an example. They've just been a wonderful partner. We, um, we talk about the body shop. We have two big body shops, um, 25,000 square foot. We believe in big mega body shops. We don't, we don't attach them to the dealerships. We have standalone and we believe in that. So when we were doing that expansion and moving rapidly into that space, um, Westfield just was a great facilitator for us. Um, um, you know, whether it was a pledge loan, whether it was, you know, equity loans, whatever, it, you know, a phone call to my local Canton office uh, was made things very simple. So, so they're vital for expansion. Um, the, um, the other thing that they, uh, they bring so much, you, you got to remember when you walk, when you walk on a car lot, who owns those cars? You know, I, we don't, we can't, you know, we have $20 million worth of vehicles on the lot. Well, we can't, we can't pay cash for those. So who, who, who owns them? Well, it's the bank. And so they facilitate for the consumer. They are facilitating selection for you. They're the ones that are providing that I can have five different colors of the same model. You know, if it was up to me, if it was on my dime, you'd have one. <laughs> so <laughs> the bank allows us to have a floor plan. They allow us to provide uh, selection to the consumer. So they, they play a vital role as, as a kind of as a market maker, if you will, in, in our in our business. And, and what about your relationship with your insurance agent? I mean, how key is that from a, oh, from a business standpoint? Oh, absolutely. It's, um, it's, you know, we don't open the doors without, without that. I mean, the, we, we, obviously we have to have the building insurance. We have to have the insurance on the cars that are on the lot, uh, which is another set of insurance. We have to have garage keepers. So if you think about it, in, a, in the back end of a garage, when you take your, when, when your dealership takes that car into the garage to fix it, what if there's a fire and your car's in there? Who pays for all that? Well, that's, that's the garage keepers. So they play a vital, vital role in allowing us to open our doors. Um, I think as we chatted the other day, you know, we said nothing, nothing happens unless we, us, the insurance is in place. So it's, it's job one uh, in a car dealership is having the insurance. Oh. And, and then uh, as we talk about, or look on the other side from the consumer standpoint, how important is it for a consumer to have that relationship with the dealership, with an insurance agent, and, and with a bank? Um, and maybe, you know, I, I think earlier we were talking about Carvana and how, how people are going online to, to look at cars. Well, so what's the difference with people going there or working with you and the service and trust that they get from, from working with the dealership? We believe in the infrastructure. We believe in the money that we put in those buildings. We put in the lot. We put in all the niceties. And when you come in that dealership, um, you know, you have a nice lounge. You have, you have great waiting areas. You have good service. You have technicians that are... Uh, you know, well-trained. I mean, we believe in that, that, you know, that's what we provide as a dealership that's, that's invaluable and that um, so much of these other upstarts can't. Um, so, so, yeah, it's, we believe in the benefits of, of uh, let's face it, you can walk in the dealership, you can sit down, you can, you can buy the car, you can get the financing on the car, we can pick up the phone, help you get your insurance agent on the phone, put everything in place, and, and you drive, around, drive away. Now, I will tell you, and I'm, again, a, a selfish plug for Kempler Motors, um, and our reviews speak to this. We, people often say, wow, we walked in, we bought a car, and we were out of there an hour and a half. You know, how did we make that happen? Because all those pieces are in place. The bank's there, the insurance is there, and um, that's, that's what we do. That's the benefit to uh, the dealership body, to be frank with you, and that you can't do online. And if you like online, great. We happen to think that human relationships are still really important when you're paying Twenty, thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars for something. So, so you know, why did we spend what we spent at the new facility in, in Akron for Jaguar Land Rover? It, it 
it creates a really unique experience that people leave there and say, hey, that, you know, that's how it's supposed to be. That's how it was always supposed to be. You know, nice, friendly, um, easy, easy, easy to do business with. Um, and a dealer and a, and a facility that's there to, for, for, for the long term to take care of the car, to fix the problems, to, to, you know, to be there and support your, your transportation needs. Good. Thank you. Stephen, what, what, what advice would you give consumers um, as they're looking to buy a car for ways that they can help reduce their, their, their cost of insurance? And, or, and maybe what are some of the biggest obstacles you see when, when people need to insure a vehicle? Yeah, so, um, you know, the easy stuff is, you know, thinking about what kind of vehicle you're buying and, and how that's going to affect, you know, your insurance coverage. But, um, you know, looking forward, some of the things we already talked about, like those advanced safety features in a vehicle, um, you know, that can help with your pricing as, as it's less likely to have an accident. Uh, but the big thing that's sort of, you know, emerging now is around sort of that, that connected car data. So there's a significant amount of data that your vehicle collects. Uh, and that data can be, you know, it's very rich data. Uh, insurance carriers are interested in it in terms of building products and pricing uh, that can benefit a customer. Uh, but ultimately the customer, you know, has to agree to share that data. So um, from a consumer standpoint, that's an emerging trend that's picking up interest uh, and adoption. And consumers can really benefit uh, from that. So opting into connected car type programs uh, and then opting to share that data, you know, with an insurance carrier. Uh, for products that are sort of priced based on how you drive uh, can really be a big benefit uh, to a consumer and that's a really uh, rapidly emerging uh, trend that we see. Now Stephen, as I have a, a child that's getting ready to get her license, as which many viewers out there will, what advice would you have for them around, around really around safety and, and, and ways to reduce the cost of, of insurance for that, that new driver? Yeah, first of all, hang in there. Yeah, uh, exactly. my, my son's only two, and I, I already think about how difficult that's going to be when he's 16. But uh, no, that's, that's a huge thing that's on you know, customers' minds. And, and really, safety and pricing are, are highly correlated, right? So uh, it's all about how to, to find ways to, to, make, to keep them safe in that, in that driving experience. So whether it's making sure we're putting them in, in safe vehicles, taking advantage of a lot of the things that we already talked about in terms of uh, driver safety features and maybe even some of that connected car data we talked about, which gives you an opportunity to sort of see how they're doing and, and give them coaching. Uh, those, are all, those are all things that, that help, uh, help control, uh, keep, keep them safe and, and control costs. At the same time, some of your standard things like driver training programs are always important. Um, and at the end of the day, it's about just making sure that they continue to sort of improve as a, as a young driver because uh, we all know that young drivers are, are sort of riskier on the road. So, A lot more distractions these days, especially with cell phones and texting and, and phone calls and, and all of that. And I, I think it's important to keep in mind. Now, Eric, is, is a consumer is getting ready to, to purchase a, a car. What advice would you give them to prepare themselves when buying a, a new vehicle? Um, well, if you're buying one for the for the child that's that's just getting ready to head off I, I would tell you that I is it a car that fits them are they comfortable is the seat you know some of these cars they have low seats they have wide seats narrow seats you know blind spots are different for all of us it's it's not it's not one size fits all and so I, I personally you know think it's important that they they're in a car that they feel for their their structure and their body and how they how they feel you know are they comfortable because that's that's first the second thing is you know, we have this, this today, you can buy these certified pre-owned. 
I'd strongly encourage people to look at certified pre-owned. We, we call them CPOs. Um, you know, they come with 12 months, typically. They, some manufacturers are a little different, but everybody's pretty much in the same ballpark, a 12 month, 12,000 mile bumper to bumper warranty on a used car. You can't beat that. You know, I, my, my daughter went to college um, out of the state, and so she was away from me, and you know, I just made sure that it was a certified pre-owned for her, and so if she has a problem, <laughs> like, hey, call up the local dealer. <laughs> you know, he's gonna fix it. I'm not coming down there. But I, I don't want her to have to fret over um, you know, the pricing and the, and the different concerns that they might have or, you know, is that, is that what the repair should cost? Get something that's got a warranty on it and, um, you know, peace of mind. So. What about new versus used? Is it, is there? Um, I think that's a, I think that's a personal preference. You know, let's face it, you could, buy, you know, you could buy a brand new car for 30000 mm -hmm. or you could buy a, what we would call a Highline used car for thirty. So perhaps you could buy a you know, um, a two-year-old um, Mercedes, the same price as a new one. So it really comes down to what's your, you know, what's your appetite, so to speak. But again, that's where that warranty comes in. If you can buy a used car, two years old, it's the, it's the car of your dreams, and you can get a warranty on it, isn't that the reason you typically buy new, then you get the best of both worlds in a lot of cases. Now, I'm not saying New, car, new cars are a wonderful thing, and you can't beat that new car smell, so you have to, you know, that's, uh, um, yeah, so I think it's just a personal preference. Okay. And, and see, from an insurance standpoint, does it matter, new or used, when, when people are buying cars from a cost standpoint? It does. Uh, the age of the vehicle definitely, definitely matters, um, but there's a lot that goes into, into that pot. So certainly as vehicle age increases, cost uh, like usually comes down. However, some of those newer vehicles have a lot of those, you know, advanced safety features that help sort of offset some of that. So it kind of depends, but generally speaking, uh, you're going to see newer vehicles probably a little more, more expensive than, than used. And we always have to remember the, the, the leasing today. We all are familiar with these, with the ads, right? You see, you know, $199 a month. Well, those are leases. Um, so if you're thinking about new, uh, leases are a great way to go as long as you can keep the mileage down. You know, if you can do that, they make a lot of sense. Uh, they certainly keep the payments uh, uh, in, in range for a, lot of, for a lot of us. Well, I want to thank you both for joining us today. Uh, it, was, it was a great topic, and you guys shared a lot of good information. Um, one thing I always ask guests when, when they join me is to give us something that's on your watch list, something that you think our viewers would be interested in. And so, Stephen, we'll, we'll start with you. What's, what's, what's on your watch list? Yeah, so I've mentioned it a few times already, but, but I'm going to mention it again. What's on my watch list is just how connected car data and technology continues to emerge. So there's a great deal of interest in that data, both from an insurance carrier standpoint, but also auto manufacturers looking for ways to, to monetize that data, but also both carriers and manufacturers looking for ways to use that data to enhance the customer experience. Right now, it's very fragmented out there in terms of who has access to, to what data from which manufacturers, I think that's going to evolve. Um, and it's a very hot you know, topic right now, so that's on my watch list. Okay. In, in fact, I, I, we've seen some of the commercials where they give them kind of like a fob to plug, plug in their car and they monitor their driving. And, and does that really have impact on, on their premiums that they pay? Yes, and in a big way it can. Um, now that's, that's emerging, so there's new products you know, taking hold that, that use that data. The fob is kind of going out of style, and now your, your mobile phone is sort of the new fob. But beyond the mobile phone, where the, where the data is most rich is right out of the car itself. And so 
um, carriers are going to be looking for ways to partner with auto manufacturers to, to utilize that data with the customer's consent. And right now, sort of the auto manufacturers are looking for the best way to sort of, you know, leverage that. So, okay. great, Eric. What's on your watch list? Oh, I think that what you're, I think there's some incredible technology um, out there on the horizon. Um, some of you may have read the article about they've, they think they've discovered a fuel, non-fossil fuel for our cars. Um, if, that, if that happens um, and they're going to manufacture, so to speak, a fuel that has zero emissions, uh, it's a game changer, let's face it. But they're, supposedly they're, they're already running cars around with it. So um, that's big. Um, they, there's some new powertrains coming that um, engines that are um, hybrid, of, of all natures, whether it's hydrogen and it's, it's diesel, it's, um, it's just some really, getting, we're getting very, very innovative. Um, yes, electrical is a great, again, I can't speak, say highly enough about electric. It's a fascinating um, way to go. But there's some really exciting stuff on the horizon that I think will, in the next five to 10 years, um, there's gonna be an alternative even to, to um, you know, your typical, um, what we have now with gas and or electric, I think there'll be a third rear, very viable alternative coming. Well, that may be the future. That's the future. Yeah, yeah. We're going to head to the Jetsons here, yeah. I think. So. Well, good. Again, I want to thank you both for joining me today and appreciate all your, your insight. So thank you again. Thank, thank you for you. having us. Sharing Knowledge is brought to you by Westfield Bank, hosted by Kevin Vondro, Chief Lending Officer. From the imagination and creativity of Chris Van Osdale, Elise Love, Suzanne Favre, Corinne Wilson, a marketing communications strategist at Westfield Bank. Produced, edited, and mixed by Shark and Minnow. To learn more, visit westfield-bank.com. Sharing knowledge and shedding light on the financial industry to empower financial freedom. The Sharing Knowledge series of videos, podcast episodes, articles are for informational purposes only and is not intended to serve as legal, tax, financial investment, accounting, or regulatory advice. Opinions expressed and third-party information shared herein do not reflect the opinions of Westfield Bank, Westfield Group, or any of its subsidiaries or affiliates. The information shared does not constitute nor is intended as an offer or solicitation for the purchase or sale of any product or service. Testimonials may not be representative of the experience of other customers and are not guarantees of future performance or success. Bank products and services provided by Westfield Bank, member FDIC, an equal opportunity lender.